beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, isn't it? Man, I'm so glad that you are here this morning. Seven more days, seven days to Christmas. How many excited? Come on, you excited? Let's do a little survey here today. How many of you put up Christmas lights on your house? Raise your hand if you do that. All right, come on, give a hand for all these faithful, awesome. Put your hands down. How many of you don't put Christmas lights on your house? Come on, I see a few of you like me, Scrooges out there, you know, whatever. I've been known a little bit for being a little bit of a holiday Scrooge when it comes to the lights and the decorations and all that stuff. And really, I'm not a Scrooge. Really, I'm just lazy, okay? And that's really what it is. And uh, in our in our neighborhood, in fact, right behind our house is another house that their house is I'm telling you it is like the Griswolds you know what I'm saying like I mean there are a million lights that they put up on the house they do this every year and they've got like Santa and they got this huge snow globe that blows up and they got the reindeers and the elves and all that I mean it is it is absolutely crazy and so a few years ago my girls when they were a little bit younger they were getting on me and they're like dad why don't we put lights on the house and why don't we do this Christmas stuff and all that kind of stuff and I was like babe the reason we don't put lights on the house is because we don't need to. If you want to see lights, you just open up your back window and you just look out there. That house did enough for all of us. You know what I'm saying, right? And so some of us are into all that. Some of us maybe not into that. Some of us just a little bit lazy like me. But you know what? I am excited about Christmas and I'm excited about the true meaning of Christmas and what it really represents. And that's what we've been talking about in this series over this past month. We've been talking about Jesus and how do we learn to truly Truly worship him with all of our heart because that's what Christmas is really all about. And we've been doing this series called Come to Worship. So everybody say, Come to Worship. And that title comes directly from this passage that we've been looking at a little bit. It's found in Matthew chapter 2, where it's talking about the wise men. And let's just look at it together again. It says, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. And when Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, Where is the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews We saw his star in the east and we have what? Everybody say it aloud. And we have come to worship him. That's what this season is all about. The wise men came to Jesus not to receive something from him, not to get gifts, but actually to give gifts to the king. They came to bow down. They came to bring their gifts. They came to worship him. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. We've been talking about worship and what is worship all about and how do we learn to truly worship the savior, especially during this time of year. And we've really kind of had three key thoughts that have been driving us through this series. We looked at them the first week and then every week we've been breaking down each one. The first one is this. We said this is that worship is doing something. So everybody say, do something. Worship is doing something. The wise men did something. They moved from where they at and where they were at and they made a move towards Jesus. And then we talked about the second one is that worship is giving something. So everybody say, give something. Giving something that the wise men came to Jesus, they moved towards him and they brought their gifts to him. And then the third one is this, is that worship is pleasing someone. So everybody say it, please someone. 
pleasing someone, that the reason we do something and the reason we give something is ultimately to honor and to please the one who is worthy of all of our worship and worthy of all of our honor. And we've broken these down every single week. Last week, we talked about what does it mean to do something. Today, we're going to talk about what does it mean to worship by giving Something Now, before you get too nervous, I'm not going to talk about giving offerings today. Come on, somebody say amen for that. In fact, we just did a series on that back in November about giving our finances and our offerings. We're not going to talk about that, although that is a way that you can worship God, that when we give our tithes and our offerings, that is a form of worship. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at it from a little bit different kind of an angle. And in fact, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open them up and turn with me to a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's found in Mark, Mark chapter 12. In verse 28, let me just set it up for you while you're turning there and just tell you what's happening. This, this Pharisee, this very, this very uh, biblical scholar comes to Jesus and basically he's asking him, Jesus, what is the greatest command? You could kind of break it down in these terms that basically he was saying to Jesus, Jesus, what does God want most from us? It's almost like, you know, if we were going to get him a gift, if we were going to get him a Christmas present, what would we get for the guy who has literally everything, right? What would he want from us? And so Jesus tells us what God wants more than anything else. And this is what we see in verse number 29. It says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus says, hey, if you want to get God a gift for Christmas, if you want to get the gift for the one who already has everything, what is the one thing that he doesn't have that he wants from you? And that one thing would be this, your worship, that you would love him with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so today I want to talk about the gift of worship, giving our gift of worship. And I want to break this passage down just just a little bit. And I want to talk about three things that we give to God when we worship. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first one is this. When we worship, here's what we give to God. We give him all of our affection. Everybody say affection. What does Jesus say? He says, here's what God wants most from you. He wants you to love him with all your heart and soul. He wants you to love him with all of your affection. Now, how many know when you love someone, you want to show them affection, right? Like if you love your kids, man, you want to pick them up and hug them and kiss them, especially when they're little. If you love your spouse, you want to to show them, you want to tell them. In fact, how many know, like in your marriage, if you never told your spouse that you loved them, that's not going to work, right? I mean, I know some of us guys are like that, like, I told you 20 years ago that I love you, and if anything ever changes, I'll let you know. How many ladies know that ain't going to work, right? Like if you love someone, what are you going to do? You're going to express it. You're going you're gonna to express it outwardly, affectionately towards them. And this is what God says he wants from us. He wants us to express our affection. He wants us to love him 
with all of our heart and with all of our soul. So how do you express affection to God? Well, we talked about this a lot. In fact, the whole message last week was just basically talking about what the Psalms say about how we show affection to God. We show affection to him by, by speaking and by singing and by shouting and by lifting our hands and clapping our hands and by dancing and all of these different things we talked about last week that the Psalm says that God says, I want you to show me your affection. But you know what the sad thing is, is that a lot of football games look a whole lot more like the Psalms than church services, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes, man, we're not very affectionate in our relationship with God. And God says, if you want to give me a gift this year, here's the gift that I want from you. I want your worship and here's how I want you to give it to me. I want you to give it to me in passionate affection to show me with all of your heart and with all of your soul, how much you love me. In fact, this is what you were created to do. If you don't do this, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the rocks and the stones will cry out and do it for you. How many know I don't want no rocks crying out for me? I want to do what God God created me to do. He made me to worship. In fact, I, I don't know if you know very much about music. Uh, I'm a little bit of a musician, a little novice, not as good as these guys on that Carol of the Bells. Pretty awesome. But I, I do play a little bit, play the, play the drums. Did that for years here at the church. I play the piano just a little bit, sing just uh, a little bit. And I don't know a lot about uh, music, but I could give you like a little bit of music education. How many ready for a little, you know, a little music class here? All right. Here's what I'll tell you about. About music, that music, all music can be broken down, all instruments can really be broken down into three different categories of instruments. All right. The first one is you got the percussion. That's my favorite one. And, and the percussion is this, is when you actually strike something in order to get it to make noise or to get it to make music. So it might be the drums or the cymbals or cowbell. You always need more cowbell. Come on, right? More cowbell. And so that's percussion, all right, when you, when you strike something. Then you have the stringed instruments. And so that's when, you know, you pluck a string in order for it to make the sound. And so it might be like, you know, uh, the guitar. Or if you're from Fort Worth, you'd call it the guitar, right? Or you might have the violin. Or around here, we call it the fiddle. Come on, play some of that fiddle because you can't play in Texas if you don't have fiddle in the band, right? And so you got the stringed instruments. And then you have the then you have what is known as the wind instruments, and that's when you blow wind through something in order to create music, all right? And there's really only these three categories of instruments. And here is how you were created for worship. This is proof right now that you were created to show God your affection. Guess what? You are an instrument. Think about this for just a second. All three of these categories of instruments, it's you. Like your, your vocal cords, you know what they are? They're strings, like, like little fibers, little strings that you actually, your lungs, which are, which, are your, which are your wind instruments, blows through the strings to make the noise. And then you got, you got some percussion instruments right here that you can put together. All three of these, God gave you these instruments to be an instrument of worship to show passionately your affection for the one who loved you and the one that created you. You were created for worship and the gift you give to God in worship is to express your affection to him. This is what you were created to do. But here's the unfortunate thing. 
The unfortunate thing is this, is that many Christians have actually traded in, actually done what I'm calling the not-so-great exchange. In fact, we see the not-so-great exchange in this passage in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, and verse number 11. Look what it says. It says, look closely. Has this ever happened before, that a nation has traded in its gods for gods that aren't even close to being gods? But my people have traded my glory for empty God dreams and silly God schemes. You think about this for a second. So many times we've traded in the very thing that God created us to do for something that's not really a God at all. Like it might be, it might be other passions. You know, the truth of the matter is that we become so many times more passionate about everything else than we really are about God. Like we're more passionate about, about our hobby or about hunting or about sports or about football. In fact, I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking, you know, there are going to be people that aren't going to come to church today because it's cold outside. But if it was a football game and their favorite team was playing, you better believe they wouldn't miss the football game. And that's played outside and we're inside where the heater's on. Come on, right? I mean, we have so many times traded in the most important thing that God created us to do for other things. Maybe it's the fact that maybe, you know, it's people and we're afraid of what people will think. And I mean, I don't want to raise my hand in church because someone else might think something or might not like it or whatever. Maybe it's even our own personal preferences. It's like, well, you know, I'll worship if it's my style of music or music or if I like the type of song or, I, you know, I like I don't like the fast song. So I sit out in the low lobby during the fast song so I can come in during the slow song because that's what I like or the traditional, I like the traditional style, or I like the contemporary. And all of this is a not so great exchange. We've traded in the most important thing that God created us to do for stuff that's really not really all that important. Our big God for little g gods, but God created us to express to him all of our affection. So everybody say it again, all our affection. Number two, write this one down. What does God want from us? Not only does he want us to worship him by giving him all of our affection. Number two, he wants us to worship him by giving him all our attention. Everybody say attention. See, look what he says. He doesn't just say, love me with all your heart and soul. What does he say? He says, love me with all your, with all your mind. Guess what, guys? Worship is not just a heart thing, although that's a big part of it. Worship can actually be a mind thing. It can actually be something we do with not just with our hearts, but with our minds. In fact, some of you say, how do I worship God with our mind? Here's how we worship God with our mind, by focusing our attention upon him. See, here's the thing, is anything that you focus your attention on, that's what you are worshiping. And everybody's worshiping something. So the question is, what are you worshiping? Well, if you want to know what you're worshiping, you look at where is the focus of your life? What are you focusing your mind on? What are you thinking about constantly? For some of you, man, the true focus, like the constant thoughts of your mind are are your children. You know, it's about every single day is about doing the stuff that they need to do. And it's all focused on their activities and their stuff. And every weekend it's their football game or their soccer game or their recital and all the stuff that you got to do to make them happy and all that. Some of you even so focus on like living vicariously through them. And maybe even at Christmas time, it's all about it's all about I'm thinking about what I'm going to get them and how I'm going to make Christmas perfect for them. And for 25 days, where am I going to put that silly little elf thing in a different way? so that they won't know and all you know come on you know what I'm talking about and we focus all of our attention upon that 
For some people, all of my attention is just, I mean, consumed by my job, consumed by my career, consumed by making more money and trying to have, trying to have nicer things. Sometimes I'm consumed by my hobby or consumed by all these things. For some, it's I'm consumed, consumed by my boyfriend or my girlfriend and constantly all day long is the thoughts of how I'm going to make them happy and make them fall more in love with me. Or some of you, it's like I'm consumed with the fact that I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and how am I going to find one? And, and it consumes our thoughts and whatever consumes your thoughts is actually what you are worshiping whatever has your attention that's that's what you are worshiping for some honestly i mean for a lot of us you know what consumes our thoughts worry anxiety all day long every day thinking about what if this happens or what if that happens or what if we don't have enough money to pay the bills or what if i lose my job or what if something happens to my kids and all of these all of these what ifs and can i just tell you something worry is the exact opposite of worship Amen. in fact if you're taking notes you might want to write this down today worry is when we fo- focus on the things that are out of our control worship is when we focus on the one who is in control And so many of us, man, our thoughts and our attention are consumed by so many other things. And whatever has your attention is actually the focus of your worship. In fact, this is what what the scripture was talking about. Paul says it in Romans chapter 2. Look what he says. I love the way it reads in the message version of the Bible. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. But instead, what does he want you to do? Fix your attention on what? On God. In fact, here's what Paul is saying. Hey, the culture around you will say, hey, let your job consume all of your thoughts. Let your hobby consume all of your thoughts. Let your favorite football team consume all of your thoughts. Let worry and anxiety and fear and all of this stuff that the news media tries to put into you and all this, let that kind of consume all of your thoughts. And Paul says, hey, don't do like the rest of the world does. Don't focus your thoughts on those things and just kind of fit into it. And it just becomes just the way that you think without even really thinking, but instead intentionally focus your mind and your attention upon upon God this is how we worship in fact this is what Hebrews chapter 12 talked about it says that we should fix our attention fix our thoughts upon Jesus Christ the author and the finisher of our faith what is what does God want from us What do we give him when we worship? We give him all of our affection. We give him all of our attention. Number three, we worship God by giving him all of our abilities. Everybody say abilities. Look what Jesus said. He says, here's what I want. Love God with all your heart and soul. Love God with all your mind. And then what does he say? He says, love God with all of your strength. Here's the deal. The fact of the matter is about worship is that anything and everything that you do can be worship. In fact, you can worship God by just focusing your entire life, building your entire life around him. In fact, this is what this is what Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says. I love the way it reads once again in the message. Paul says, "So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, I want you to take your everyday ordinary life 
you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, hey, you can actually worship God with your everyday ordinary life. With your eating and your drinking and your sleeping and your walking around and your communication and your conversations with others and your family life and your work life and every part of your life can actually be worship unto God if you lay it down as an offering to him saying, God, my life is yours. I'm going to use all of my strength. I'm going to use all of my abilities. I'm going to use all of my talents. I'm going to use everything I have to worship you. In fact, this is what Paul says about it in Colossians 3.23. Look what he sees. He says, whatever you do, everybody say, whatever, whatever, whatever means what? It means whatever. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as though you are working for the Lord and not for men. Here's the deal, guys. Whatever you do can be worship. All you have to do is make one simple change. And the one simple change is this. Change bosses. Stop doing it for anyone else and do it for him. And then whatever you do, becomes worship. Man, you can be flipping burgers and it becomes worship. You can be changing diapers and it's worship. You can be driving to work and it's worship when you stop doing it for anyone else except for God. And then whatever you do becomes worship unto God. In fact, I saw this illustrated so incredibly yesterday. Man, I was so proud of all of our team, especially Nicole who led the team and all of our volunteers yesterday who led the Crestmore brunch and the outreach. Man, I think we ought to give these guys a a big hand. Amazing. As I mean, I'm telling you, as Nicole led that thing, you know, as she was leading, you know what it was? It was worship. Because she was doing it as unto the Lord. As people cooked the breakfast and brought it for the brunch, you know, as they were cooking. I mean, that's some good stuff. I ate some of it, right? I mean, and as they were cooking the the quiche and the the eggs and the whatever it is that they made. I mean, as they they did that, that was worship because they were doing it. As unto God, I mean, as people wrapped gifts, that was worship. As this was happening, as we were loving on the families, and even as, you know, we had Santa out there, it was worship unto God, because whatever you do, if you do it with all of your heart, as unto the Lord and not unto men, that is what worship is really all about. And this, I'm telling you, this is what God wants more than anything else. He, he, if you were going to give to the one who has everything, something that he doesn't have, there's only one thing, your worship, that you would love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. In fact, Jesus says, this is what the father is looking for. Look what it says in John chapter four and verse 23. Look what it says. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit And in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Now, let's just break that down for just a second. That word worship, you know, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language and then later translated into our English language that we're able to read it today. But it's difficult to translate Greek into English because Greek is so much more descriptive and there's so many more words in the Greek language that we don't have in the English language. And so when it came to translating this word worship, it was the, it was the Greek word proskuneo. So everybody say proskuneo. 
You learned some Greek today. Aren't you proud of yourself? Right, come on. And the word proskuneo in the Greek, we didn't have an English word that really fully described that word. So when the translators were trying to translate it, they were having a hard time. So they actually just made up a word that wasn't even in the English language yet. And the word was our word that we know of as worship. So proskuneo translates as worship in the English language, but it's not a full and complete translation. It doesn't give, it doesn't give the full picture of what this word worship or proskuneo in the Greek actually means. And I'm telling you, when I heard what the word really meant, I I was blown away. And when you hear it, you're going to freak out. You're not even going to be able, I mean, you're going to be blown away. How many want to know what the word proskuneo actually meant in the Greek? You ready for this? I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready. You ready for this? You know what it actually meant? It meant a kiss. The Bible says that, that the father is looking for those who will, those who will give him a kiss. Now, some of you are going, that's weird. Like, right? Like, God wants us to kiss him. Well, it's not in a romantic type thing. But actually, the Greek language was very descriptive. And so what it actually described, I'm telling you, you're going to trip out when you hear this. It actually described, it was like, it was like a dog licking its master's hand. Now, how many dog owners do we have in the house today, right? Now, if you're a dog owner, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, whenever you've been gone to work and you come home and you open the door, the dog is, like, excited to see you. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, and then you can go outside and be gone for 30 seconds and come back in, and it's like they haven't seen you in a year. You know what I'm saying, right, right? And this is what dogs do. In fact, we had a dog, and we named him Mikey because my dad always wanted a grandson, and we didn't have a grandson for him, and so we got a boy dog, and we named him Mikey, okay? And Mikey was like a, an excited dog, one of those hyper dogs. And so whenever, whenever you would come home, Mikey didn't just, you know, lick your hand. He actually peed on your foot, okay? And so we weren't really all that sad when he ran away and we couldn't find him. I'm just saying. But the dog, man, we can learn a lot from dogs, can't we? Like, like a dog is so excited to see its master. In fact, I heard this one Christian comedian said, how can you know that your dog loves you more than your wife loves you? The only way you can know is you just lock them both in the trunk of the car for about an hour, then let them out and see which one's still excited to see you, right? Come on, that's funny right there. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is looking for worshipers. And he's looking for people who would be just like that little dog that wants to lick the hand of the master. That's so excited about the relationship with the master that even when the master leaves for 30 seconds and comes back, that, that the dog is so excited. And this is what God says I'm looking for. If, I, if you could give me a gift for Christmas this year, this is what I would want from you. I would want all of your heart and soul. I would want all of your mind. I would want all of your strength. I would want you to be like... Like that little dog that is so in love with me that you want to express to me all of your affection, that you would make me the center of all of your attention, that you would use all of your abilities and all of your strength and everything that you do in life to worship me. This is what worship is truly all about. Come on, somebody ought to get excited here today. This is what worship is, that we would give God a gift and that gift would be all of 